Hello, everybody. This is Keith, Music Man, Hanlek with the Final on Vinyl podcast. And tonight we are with Peter Cater. And just recently covered his album and um, wanted to talk a little bit about that, his new album. And uh, we'll be posting a review and the interview right after this. And welcome, Peter. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for having me and thanks for the review. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. And uh, what I normally like to talk about is how people got to where they are in the music industry, you know, what some of your influences, uh, what was the first instrument you picked up and so forth. But more importantly, um, talking about Soul Story uh, and, and what inspired you to make that and some of the things you had to go through to get it done in the time span and things like that. So there you go. Fire away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Soul Story uh, happened very organically. Um, it wasn't that I was setting out to make a record. I was just uh, doing what I do, uh, which is everything, you know, from concerts to scoring to hosting retreats to whatever. And I also do uh, what I call piano readings. Piano readings are when I talk to individuals uh, privately for a little while and ask them questions about their life story, history, you know, what they've been through, where they're, where they're going, what, what they'd like. You know, just I ask questions. And as they're talking to me, telling me about their life, I will eventually see uh, chord changes, uh, hear melodies, patterns on the keyboard and get information as to where to start to play for them. And once I have enough information musically, I get them to lie under the piano and I sit down and I improvise for them for about nine to 12 minutes usually. And I record it professional quality, you know, in my studio. And then I give them the MP3 or the WAV file afterwards to keep and to listen to as their particular personal, I call them piano readings. And I've been doing these for years, probably about, I don't know, maybe five, seven years. My first oh. Grammy winning, yeah, my first Grammy winning album, um, Dancing on Water, was a collection of my favorite sections of some of those readings from the past couple of years in 2018. And then, so Soul Story is a recent collection of some of my favorite sections from piano readings that I did over the last year or two here. So that's what it is. So it wasn't like I was setting out to make a record. It was more like, oh, I've got an abundance of material here, a very personal, uh, you know, solo piano stuff. Let me go listen to it and see if any of it's any good. <laughs> and so picked out my favorite <laughs> sections and made a record. Well, it was nice to get this set up and actually talk to you because this is like the fourth album I believe I've covered. Um, and actually... Five, if you count Sanjita's album. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's really nice to be able to talk to folks after all these years covering their music. And, you know, I had never heard of anything like that, what you've been doing, piano readings. And I thought, oh, gee, maybe he just started doing that. It's just taking off. But five, seven years now you've been doing it. It's very unique. I've never heard anything like it. So, 
It is very unique. Well, what happened was, is, you know, I just noticed that as people in intimate settings during my retreats or whatever, or in like home concerts, more intimate settings, I'd noticed that I played differently depending on who was closer to the piano. Eventually people started getting under the piano. And I noticed that I played differently depending on who was under the piano. And so I decided to explore it further. And that's what I came up with. So that just kind of happened naturally. Somebody started doing it and somebody else started doing it. And then you thought, well, this must be the way to do it. And that's how it developed, huh? Yeah, very organic. I, I love it. It's very cool. So being a musician, um, when you were younger, listening to mom and dad's records, what were some of the right. things that you found inspiration in? Good old vinyl. Interesting. Days, you know? Yeah, in the old vinyl days. Well, you know, before, like way before I ever thought about playing the piano, I remembered listening to like Frank Sinatra and, you know, the music, like you said, that my parents were playing, you know, which was all the popular kind of swooner music of the time, you know, Engelbert, Humperdinck, Tom Jones, Sinatra, um, uh, Joey, was it Joey Bishop? I don't know. A bunch of people. And um, that was, you know, when I was very, very young, you know, like in my, like two, three, four, five, you know, six. And, uh, and then my mom made me start taking piano lessons when I was six. And I hated it because I was playing classical music and that's not really, that's not really my thing. I, I did a pretty good job of it and learned pretty quickly, but I wasn't that into it. And at the time, I remember listening to, you know, the Beatles and, uh, you know, they were starting to come on the scene with, uh, you know, even my parents were listening to them. And, and then when I started being able to learn how to improvise and play the songs that I actually wanted to play, you know, as a teenager, then I was playing like, you know, all of Elton John stuff, you know, Billy Joel, Cat Stevens, Carol King, James Taylor, John Denver, Jethro Tull, Led Zeppelin. I was probably the only kid on the block that was playing Stairway to Heaven on the piano. And, <laughs> all the good uh, stuff. Yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah. All the good stuff. Cat Stevens, like I said. And uh, and that's when I started to really enjoy it. And I, I learned how to improvise so that, you know, I could basically take a lead sheet, which is just a sheet with the chord and the melody lines, no other notes beneath it. And uh, I could embellish it any way I wanted, you know, make it sound like Gershwin, make it sound bluesy, make it sound more poppy, you know, whatever. And um, and that's when I actually started to really enjoy it. And so, then... Uh, yeah, so I'm just thinking, what I often wondered is, that, you know, I hear this a lot, is that my parents made me take piano lessons. And is it because your folks were musicians as well? No, because my mom always wanted to play the piano and her parents never let her. So she was kind of working out her fantasies through me, you know. Ah, uh, got it. I didn't, I never really you did. Had, you, had a thought going, you had a thought going there. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I was just going to go on with the story, you know, and say that, uh, you know, I started to really enjoy it, you know, and then I started just kind of writing my own stuff and kind of improvising a lot. And but that was before I heard Keith Jarrett. I didn't really know that improvising was a thing that was kind of respected. I thought it was just something I enjoyed doing. 
And it was kind of a way of combining all my roots and all my likes, like, because I, you know, my roots are classical, but I like rock and pop and I like jazz, you know, so just kind of improvising. And then I'm playing the piano, like, you know, and I was, I was somewhere in the public. I didn't know where it was. And someone said, oh, you must listen to Keith Jarrett. And I'm like, I've never heard of Keith Jarrett. So then, of course, I listen to Keith Jarrett. And then it's like, oh, man, talk about <laughs> mind-blowing, you know. And uh, that opened many doors inside of me musically. And also the Paul Winter Consort and the group Oregon. Those are major influences of mine. And then so I, somebody said okay. to you, you sound like Keith Jarrett before you had discovered him? Well, someone said you would really like Keith Jarrett and that what I was doing kind of reminded them of Keith Jarrett a little bit. And, I'll, you know, I'll uh-huh. say, you know, Keith Jarrett, Keith Jarrett is, you know, 10 times the piano player that I am, you know. But, uh, you know, the, the comparison was appreciated and and uh, it really, you know, turned me on to, like, it validated what I was doing, really. It was making it like, oh, so this is actually, you know, something that is accepted as a, you know, a sort of genre of music, you know, improvisational piano. And so I kind of went down that road for about eight years of just improvising in clubs and bars and whatever. Well, the geniuses go to play. Oh, and people either hated it or loved it. I don't know how many people, you know, would would walk out saying he's not playing anything I recognize and leaving, you know, or they'd come up and, you know, ask for requests, you know, like, can you play, you know, Misty or Hotel California? And I'd be like, oh, sorry, you know, I'm just improvising right now. And they'd get frustrated and leave. And some people, you know, really appreciated it and encouraged me to go forward. So that would be me. I'd be sitting there going, man, this this is really cool stuff he's playing. And I wouldn't even care <laughs> if I knew it or not. It's just, I would just appreciate the the effort and the artistry that goes into being able to play like that and the amount of talent it takes to do that, you know? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It just always seemed to be something that came kind of naturally to me. And uh, so, yeah. So when was the the time in your life you decided to go into the recording studio? How long ago was well, that? Again, you decided to yeah. record? Well, it was uh, it was 1982 that uh, someone approached me and they said, have you ever thought about doing a record? And I'm like, well, thought about it, but, you know, never had the opportunity. So I had a, a, a private investor who wanted to finance me going into the studio and making a record. So that's when I decided to start writing music instead of improvising, because I figured if I'm going to make a record, then I need to be able to play some songs off the album, preferably. So... Um, that's when I started going more into composing. And then I recorded my first album, Spirit, uh, in 1982, and that came out in 1983. I was 25. And uh, it did surprisingly well. I never really thought it would amount to much other than, you know, satisfying the investor and, you know, maybe, you know, having it uh, on hand at a few of my gigs. But um, I had several records company offers for it and uh it was uh surprisingly well received and but even then i wasn't like thinking oh i have a music career i was thinking well i did a record what am i going to do now you know i never even thought about doing a second one it all kind of happened organically it was like you know people would encourage me to you know do more to play here to audition for that 
you know, then I started getting phone calls from people like, hey, have you ever written music for anything like any TV or film? Because I have this PBS thing I want you to write some music for. And I just had all this on-the-job training that kind of would surface spontaneously. And it just kept on going and kept on going and going. And so here I am still doing it. That's great. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, the advantage of instrumental music is that you're going to get approached by the film industry. And, I'll, you know, the movie makers really like to have soundtrack music and usually a specific kind, you know. Um, I like yeah. just one of those crazy Marvel mu uh, movies with all the, the crazy soundtracks and 70 classic rock or whatever. Instrumental is, it has an advantage, I think, and in a lot of different ways. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it's all, it's all fun. It's all creative and it's all learning. You know, you learn a lot of stuff. So. I bet. I bet it's, it's always a learning process, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Uh, and then I was also going to comment, because you, you said earlier, like, you know, talk about your journey through the music business. Like, what does it take? First thing that comes to mind is perseverance. Because the music business of of all, you know, of all the occupations you can have, the music industry is constantly changing, you know, because of the technology is changing with, you know, I started off, you know, recording on two inch tape, you know, and recording studios and, you know, releasing stuff on vinyl and cassettes. That was, you know, that was the thing. And then, when CDs came out, you know, it was a whole other technology going forward in, in digital. And uh, there's a learning curve. With every transition, there's a learning curve, not only in the creation of music in the studio, but also in the selling and the marketing of it. Because right. it used to be very clear. It used to be very clear. You know, you make a good record, you hire a great radio marketing person, you hire a great retail marketing person, you be sure you've got good distribution, and you go to town. And you track where you're getting radio airplay and wherever you're getting the most radio airplay. You make sure there's records in the stores and you put them on sale and you buy end caps and promotions. And it was all very, you know, crystal clear and structured. Now with everyone streaming, it's like, oh, geez, well, how do I reach my audience? Like how, you know, how do I go about promoting music when people don't buy music really much anymore when it's not, you know, there's no radio stations either, really, to speak of. There's, there's very few, you know. It's not like it used to be. And right. um, the, the whole music business has kind of lifted off the ground, and now it's sort of floating out in the cloud there somewhere, you know. Exactly. <laughs> literally, yeah. Literally. You know, literally. The thing is, too, thing is, too, is that, um, you know, like you said, it was so structured. The Internet ushered in the age where, Put, it put everybody in a level playing field that gave everybody an opportunity, you know? Yeah. And yeah, which is, how, which is cool on one hand. The, yeah. I'm sorry. What was that? Well, like you were just going to say, yeah, which is cool on one hand because everyone gets an opportunity to record and release music. But on the other hand, it, there's so much in the marketplace, just like what you said. So how do you stick out when everyone else is, you know, and there's so like millions of people now making music rather than a few thousand. You know, right. Uh, right. It's a tough, it's a tough question. And it's always something that with every record that we release, we have to address that question. Like, how do we do it this time? Because the way we did it last time is not as effective as it used to be, even a year down the road, 
you know, things are different. Opportunities are different. Limitations are different. So, yeah, yeah, you know, to, I think that's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of. I mean, sure. I'm proud of my record sales and the Grammys and the nominations and my resume and all that stuff. But what I'm really equally and very much proud of is that I've made it through all these transitions and I still have a career and I still, you know, I'm still viable as an artist and I still love it. I think that's that's a pretty amazing accomplishment because it's a very, very shifting scene and community, you know. True. You know, um, it's like, what, what's the flavor of the week, right? <laughs> it, it's yeah. very fickle audience out there. Um, different age groups, obviously, that are going to listen to music like yours and like you and I enjoy and listen to. I mean, I have a wide spectrum that I, that I listen to, but you know what? I always go back to my 70s classic rock when push comes to shove. But I do love instrumental music and have for a long time. Uh, ever since I was introduced to LD Miola when I was back in the 80s when I was in the Navy, it was like, wow, this is the coolest shit I've ever heard. And I wanted more, you know. And I started going in that direction. And um, now that, you know, I get these piano albums all the time, and I always ask myself that question, listening like, okay, what, what's going to be different this time? What's going to set this one apart from the last one I just heard? Because it's another instrumental piano album, right? But, yeah. you know, adding all the different elements in, <clears throat> the different instruments, some of the ancient instruments that you folks get a hold of, and the wordless vocals, and all these other elements that come in and just make it wonderful, you know? It's just not yeah. just sitting there pounding on the keys. It's, there's a lot to it. Yeah, I'm glad There's you still have people out there that, that uh, appreciate what you do and you found a career in it. I mean, that's a beautiful thing, a blessing, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. So what's next? I'm grateful. What's next with Paul? Next? Hmm. What's next is I'm producing a record for a vocalist female vocalist I'm producing, co-writing and playing on it, um, which will be coming out probably early next year, I'm thinking. Uh, her name is Shakina. And it's going to be pretty awesome, I think. Right now we're in kind of the recording stages and there's some really beautiful stuff happening. So kind of excited about that. And then uh, after that, I'm going to work on another one of my albums, which I'm also getting ideas for which will be probably a very much more produced album. It won't be a solo piano album. I'm hearing everything from strings to taiko drums to all kinds of interesting combinations of things. So, Yeah, I re I'm really liking the way the, the genre has um, branched off into world and using all these different instruments and combining the two. It's that New Age Foundation then all of that world influence comes in. It just makes it incredibly beautiful and interesting. You know, it just, I really look forward to that. If that's what you're planning on doing, that, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it too. It's been great talking to you today, Paul, and I appreciate your time and your music, everything that you do. And uh, we'll get this interview out there so people can have a listen.
All right. Sounds good. Nice talking with you, too. You take care now. Bye. Okay. You too, Keith. Bye.